Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. 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 This episode is brought to you by Hostly, a company that helps you make beautiful guidebooks for your listing, especially for get paid for your pad listeners. Get two free months of their premium version. For more details, visit hostfully.com slash pad. Welcome, everybody. Another episode of Get Paid for Your Pet. And today I'm talking to a fellow Dutchman. He lives in Hong Kong and he manages several properties on the small island of Bali through his property management company, Keys to Bali. So welcome to the show, René Tell. Thank you, Jasper. Nice to be here followed many of your podcasts so it's nice to be on one thank you yeah i'm very excited to have you on i know that you are one of the earliest airbnb hosts i think even your your number the number that you have of your account i remember you told me that it was one of the lowest ones right yes yes i was at the airbnb open in la i think it was last year yeah november and when i showed them our first property the house in sanur they said oh that's a only a six-digit or seven-digit, I forgot now, but uh, yeah, very low-digit house. So you must have started with us already very early. So, yeah. <laughs> so you've been uh, hosting on Airbnb since 2000, what is it, 2011? 2011, yeah, middle 2011, I believe, yeah. And uh, that was basically when I just found out about Airbnb. Awesome. And you've been a super host for 10 quarters in a row and you've been hosting for almost seven years now. So that's a lot of experience. So I'm really excited to learn about the best advice that you have for other hosts out there. And of course, your experience as well. First, let's talk about your market because it's a really interesting market. I think it's one of the more lucrative markets on Airbnb, the island of Bali in Indonesia, a very popular holiday destination, especially for Australian people and also Europeans and Americans. I think one of the things that made Bali very famous was, was it featured in that famous book? I can't remember the name now. Love, Eat uh, and Pray? Now now you disturbed me with the uh, order, but I think it was Eat, Love and Pray. Eat, Love and Pray. <laughs> I think the, the small village of Ubud was featured in right, the, yeah. the book and it's also a movie. I actually recently saw the movie and of course the movie is, was not as good as the book, but that's always the case. But Ubud is a very small village in, in Bali. I, I visited a couple of years ago. A lot of people go there to meditate, do yoga and all that kind of stuff. And I think the book really put it on the map. But there's a lot yeah. of other areas in Bali that are very popular amongst, especially Western people, but also Asian tourists, I guess, right? Yeah. By the way, it's Eat, Pray, Love with Julia Roberts. That's what okay. that, that that's popped it. in. All right. Yeah. No, it's very popular now. And it was, of course, really the island of the Aussies, so to speak. I mean, it's a small plane ride from Australia to here, but it's definitely evolved. Now we get tourists from everywhere. I've got people from Russia, a lot of people from Japan, Korea. Chinese, of course, is a hugely increasing population in Bali. It's gone more diverse in the last five years than, than before that. Eat, Pray, Love has kind of put Bali in general on the map. 
everybody was coming to Bali already, but after that, the Americans kind of dared to come. It's still an exotic place for them to go, I think. Absolutely. And let's get started. And could you share a little bit about how did you get involved in you know, renting out in Bali, in Indonesia? How did you get started? Yeah, that was basically with our first house in Sanur. We have that already as our sort of what I call little escape from the um, concrete jungle in Hong Kong. I fell in love with Bali about 20 years ago. At that time, I was still living in Brunei. Three years later, when I came to Hong Kong, then I had some trips to Bali and then yeah, I've got this house. How I got that is a bit of a long story, but started to rent it out to friends and friends of friends. Kind of started the hosting already a bit, but it was uh, quite hands-off. I did have already my present villa manager, Suzanne, at that time. She was our neighbor. So she could manage always everything from remote. For, I could manage through her. She did all the staff payments and all the other things to uh, keep the house running. And then when I started my own business here in Hong Kong, and another little jump, I started making babies and had two daughters back to back, 15 months apart. We got a little bit busy and we didn't use the house that much and started to say, well, that Airbnb, that sounds like something that we could manage the house a bit more professionally. We did some renovations, made two really nice kids room with bunk beds and we made the house safe, made a pool fence so that it wasn't too stressful for people with kids, which... Now, in hindsight, I know why these pool fences are very essential, having had my little ones crawl and walk around the house with a swimming pool. So that's where it started. The house is great for family setup. You walk to the beach. Sanur is a very nice and quiet part of Bali. It's not so what they would call hip, but it has a, an amazing seafront with a walkway of about 8 to 10K, where you can walk, bicycle, run, joke, whatever you want to do there. Plus, the sea is very safe to swim in. It has a reef sort of two miles out, so the beach is obviously flat, but the sea is almost as flat as the beach. So it's very safe to swim and go in with kids. So that makes that Sanur house work really well. So are families the main geographic that you target? That house, it's uh, yeah, families, or I mean, it's also a perfect one for two couples or a couple that bring their parents or whatever, because it has two separate buildings, which is separated by the outdoor living room. So people have completely privacy. Each unit has their own, you know, setup with the full-size bathrooms, etc. But yeah, for families, it's good. In Sanur, you can still walk around with a stroller and you can walk easily, which is getting harder and harder in the, the hip areas of Seminyak, etc. So it is really good for families. All right. So you started with renting out your own house as you were too busy to visit a lot. So it, was a, it was a good opportunity. Everything went really well. You you obviously did a great job as you've been a super host for so long. And then you were looking to expand. How many properties do you have now? Yeah, now we're uh, handling another five of friends and uh, adding another nine in the next four or five weeks. Because indeed, uh, what you said, you know, it went very well with that house. And then kind of the business here in Hong Kong did not go so well. So then I focused on what am I doing well? And that was kind of the thing that... I enjoyed a lot. I enjoyed obviously being in Bali, but also to manage people's holidays and make that a real frictionless experience. And then friends of mine here in Hong Kong that did very well with their business in Hong Kong, they started to invest in Bali and buy properties, buy some villas. Very good mate of mine, he bought three villas, building another fourth now, but don't have the experience or the patience to manage these properties or manage the staff because... 
as you know, coming to uh, Asia quite a bit. The advantage of managing properties here in Asia is that they're fully staffed, so you don't have to do key management, and I don't need to have modern apps to open the front door. We have friendly people standing at the front door waiting for our guests. I never actually had my own house key in my pockets for 15 years because I don't need one. That's when I started to do other people's properties. Yeah, it's going really well. I'm a bit of a fan of technology, so I started to dig in that part to, of course, do management of multiple properties a little bit better because, as you know, communications go up a lot when you add properties, and I like to uh, keep my promises. So that is aiding me now to scale up, so to speak. Awesome. So the first question that I have for you is, can you tell us a little bit more about the procedures that are involved in investing in Bali as a foreigner? Because I know it's in some of these countries, it's not so easy. I think in Indonesia, you're not allowed to own land, but you can still buy a house, but there's different types of constructions. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I keep it very uh, helicopter view because there's so many tangible things there. You're right. It's not easy. Definitely not the easiest place. But, you know, villas are bought and sold all the time, every day. When I started 10, 15 years ago, there wouldn't be at all a million-dollar house on the island. But now you have $3 million houses, and they also operate, and they're also being bought and sold. It is a very fluent market. But, yeah, you will never own the land, even though there is freehold land, which you cannot find anymore within a five kilometer from the coastline anymore. It's all bought up unless you go to the north. But so the most of the houses will be sold on leasehold. And that is mostly for 35 years plus 15. That is sort of the common contract. So for 50 years, especially if you buy new or built new, then you're good for 50 years and it is extendable. But you have, of course, houses for sale that are already eight years, 12 years, 15 years within that 35 plus 15 year term. And then you have other things to deal with, of course. How long are you going to be there for? What is the arrangement with the owner of the land? Then you need to be a little bit more careful of how much runway you still have of the house and if you're comfortable with that. But you're saying you can also extend it. Yes, you can extend it, but it's normally with the first owners, like a leasehold agreement, 35 plus 15. Then if you start living there for 18 years, then you, of course, have to subtract what's left over. If you then sell it, you actually sell it with that leftover package. And of course, you go talk with the owner, but he cannot extend that part until it's over. Okay, so let's say that you have a leasehold construction where you are technically you're leasing it for 35 years. And then after 35 years, you can extend it for another 15, but you can't extend it until those 35 years have actually passed. Yeah, that is a common way. It's Indonesia, so there's a lot of other rules that sometimes come into play. That's the general census, yeah. So is the owner of the land, is he obliged to offer you that extension or is that optional? Is that only if you both agree on it? It's only if you both agree on it, but if it's after that 50 years, so the 35 years are over, the 15 extension is over. After that, it's really to the landowner. And I don't know of any horror stories because obviously that would be really bad commerce for advertisement for Bali if landowners would take back a multi-million dollar villa after 50 years and say, thank you very much. The contract is over. I'm going to live in your villa now. So that I have never heard of. I think it's normally, you know, extended. 
and also 50 years. I have no idea. I don't know people that have been living there for 50 years yet. So, Right. You've heard me talk about Hostfully a lot over the past few months. I love sending my beautiful Hostfully guidebook to my guests, as it makes me look very professional. I also love including screenshots of my guidebook in my actual Airbnb listing. This helps me stand out from the crowd. Well, now I'm thrilled to announce that I'm a sponsor of the Hostfully host program. Twice a month, Hostfully selects a host and features them on their top-ranked blog. This is great promotion for your listing and a cool way to share your favorite local spots to a large audience. What's even cooler is that each Hostfully host gets a free set of organic sheets from the clean bedroom. And now that I'm a sponsor, you'll also be featured in my newsletter, my social media feeds, and you'll get free access to my video course on how to be a great host. For more details and how to apply, visit hostly.com slash hostlyhost. Let's talk about some of your experiences. What are some of the main learning lessons that you've learned over time? What are the things that you might do different if you were to start over again? It helps in my case that I'm kind of a born people pleaser and I like to make sure that people get what they expect at least and what I think they want. So when I did my house first, I know what I like. I certainly know what I don't like. So when I started managing it from remote, the first house, that was easy. I could instruct Suzanne, you know, you keep tweaking throughout the years. When I started to add the uh, other houses of other owners, and particularly the three villas of my friends in Changu is a whole different ballgame because it's a very cool house. It's a very well-designed house. It's in Changu, which is the hip and upcoming area in Bali. There's still, you know, rice fields around the villas. They still have views. And it's also a different clientele. It's more hipper people, younger people. Also will come with kids, but you have to instruct more. And what I've seen, what other agencies and property management companies do is quite simplistic in my book. I mean, they just make sure that they have a good website. They have beautiful pictures of all their properties and they make the transaction part very frictionless. You know, you can find the house, you can book it, you can pay it and that's done. We, you know, like to take it a couple of steps further because as you well know, the reviews are super important for getting recurring guests or new guests. The whole frictionless experience of, you know, just booking it is not cutting it. And where I seen the feedback from my guest was really the experience, what I call under the roof. So everything that happens actually during their stay, when they wake up in the morning, when they go to the beach and come back and the house is cleaned and prepared again and the team make new coffee for them or clean up all the toys from the kids that was left behind. Just a whole host of small things that guests just see that you're paying attention to their needs and to a a very good experience. So yeah, I call it the experience that I sort of gained is that experience of how people want to be treated under the roof. It's not just a superb sightseeing to Ulawatu or whatever. Of course, we arrange transportation for all that and get cold water in the cars and cold towels and we do all these little things i'm just looking at you know the times that i was traveling in five-star hotels a lot i've been traveling quite a lot and i try to replicate these things in our properties i've seen that these nuanced things that people really feel at home basically 
Right. So you're really focusing on creating the experience versus just offering a place to stay. You mentioned right. that in, in Bali, it's quite common for the villas and the houses to be staffed. Can right. you explain a little bit that, you know, some people might not be familiar with, with that. So can you explain a little bit about how that works? I had exactly quite a recent experience, but six weeks ago, the villas in uh, Changu are three and four bedroom villas. So I had a couple that came in advance of the rest of their friends and they had a baby on their arm. And I introduced them to the villa manager, Pendy, and then introduced them to the rest of the, and her eyes just went wider and wider. She said, these people are here just for us. I said, yes, this is, you know, for the next 10 days, these people are going to pamper you. You're going to be able to ask them anything you want. So indeed, and this is, well, it was an Australian family. So they were not used to actually, or expected to have staff being available for their complete stay. In Bali, that's pretty normal. I mean, our house in Sanur has two staff and the houses in Changu have 12 staff over three houses, three villas, and they rotate their shifts, etc. But every villa has at least three, four people for their usage. They do anything from making your breakfast the way you want at the time you want and put it at whatever location you want because there's multiple locations where you can have breakfast next to a pool or inside on the big dining table, etc., etc., and they can do some shopping for you, the breakfast shopping. They make up the beds, of course, every day after you left. Yeah, it's a fully staffed experience. Did you ever have any guests that didn't expect that and weren't happy about that? No, definitely not that they've been happy about it. And we do sometimes have guests that say, well, we like our privacy, so we want minimum interference. But it's interesting if these people then stay six or seven days, somehow they start asking staff more and more questions and sort of grow into the experience and actually in the end make really quite well use of the staff. It's like new expats coming to Asia. I've got expat friends here and you and I are Dutch, you know, we're pretty down to earth. I mean, we can do a lot of things ourselves. We always say we do that seller well. They say, you know, yeah, I will never take a mate and I will never take staff, but you know, everybody has and lives almost don't work without so once they actually get into it they go like yeah this is this is actually helping and on a holiday of course it's a super experience because every part of the family can actually enjoy their holidays then it's not like the husband or the wife or the kids have still get involved in ironing and washing and doing the dishes etc it's quite nice that for you know whatever five six seven eight fourteen days holiday you actually just can think of yourselves pamper yourselves and have a holiday. Yeah, and I've stayed in a couple of villas myself in Bali. And I think Balinese people are also known for their hospitality. They're generally extremely friendly, extremely hospitable. And so I've always had the amazing experiences with the staff that would work at the villas where I was staying at. Yeah, no, they're amazing. And they're even more amazing with kids. So we have pleasant, you know, feedback and reviews also about our staff being able to babysit. And some of the people that come, of course, with young kids, they haven't had a date or a dinner out together for a long time. And after a couple of days, they can see that they can comfortably leave their kids with their staff. And they actually have an amazing night out or can go to a restaurant they actually would love to go together instead of you know bringing the baby or bringing the, the kids. And that's what I mean in the form of that people start growing into the comfort level of having staff in the villa. And as you said, you know, they're very experienced in Bali. So 
if they feel their guests need their privacy, then they won't show up and you won't even see them. There's enough space in the back of the house. They won't walk around. You can still, you know, do whatever you want with sunbathing at your own poolside, etc., without being disturbed by the staff. Awesome. Before we get to the end of this podcast, I'd like to touch on the topic of management because you live in Hong Kong, you manage your properties in Bali, so it's a couple thousand miles away, I think. Yeah. Um, so how, how do you manage everything? I think I told you that anecdotically uh, off the podcast, but I mean, I used to have, or I still actually have, to be honest, very colorful Outlook calendar. Every villa has its own color and I have all the bookings in there and I shared that with owners. But being a technology enthusiast, I've been looking into yeah platforms to manage this much better, much smoother, and been looking around and traveling around a bit to some of the vacation rental summits, etc., to meet people, how they work with it. And because I want to scale up to more villas, I've chosen a property management system that syncs all the calendars seamlessly, and that's online. So I can manage that online. It has also a very good communication program, and it also syncs with all the platforms like Bookings.com, Airbnb, and other online travel agencies. So without that technology, I wouldn't be able to manage it all anymore, especially not when I'm going to scale soon to 12, 14, 15 villas, which all have between two and six bedrooms. It's quite a lot of people to manage and, and communicate with. Yep. What particular type of software are you using? I started to work with a company called Vreezy, that's V-R-E-Z, and they showed me this uh, program in Florence when I was there last. Basically, a property management system that syncs the information with Airbnb, Booking.com, and a couple of other places where I list TripAdvisor, where I lift the properties. And I have a complete overview of all the bookings and where they are and with which villas. And I can actually communicate straight out of that platform as well. And then I use Beyond Pricing for my pricing management. Awesome. Well, we have come to the end of the episode. So, Renee, thank you so much for being on the show. And for the listeners, uh, if people come to Bali, can they stay at one of your villas? Obviously, they just have to go to keystobali.com and they will see all the availability calendars there, the description of the houses and the description of what you can do there because we will create a frictionless experience from A to Z for you. Awesome. And you've been to Bali for over 20 years, so you know the island pretty well, I uh, I imagine. So I can only imagine that you're uh, the perfect person to recommend people about their trip to Bali. So it's been a pleasure having you on the show. And if I manage to pass by Hong Kong, should definitely have, have a coffee. For the listeners out there, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And of course, on Friday, we'll be back and we'll discuss this week's news. So I hope to see you then. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet.